You're listening to... Offering in-depth analysis on all things Boston Celtics. With your hosts, Jim and Mike Quigley. You are listening to Hard Foul. It's Mike and Jim Quigley. We changed the name, but the content will remain the same. This will be a Boston Celtics podcast um, where we break down what happened the previous week and look forward to the following week. We are going to try to get more guests along the way. But Mike, um, let's get right into it. Uh, on this, so wait, we're 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 officially not called King of the Fourth Quarter anymore. We're called just Hard Foul. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. I just I didn't know. I knew the uh, I knew that our like entrance music had changed, which was like really good. I think. Um, so now I just need so like okay, that's good to know. I didn't realize that we flipped the name too. So. You know, yeah. I'm not always on board with this stuff, Jim. I'm I'm always behind the eight ball. So, so sorry this, about that. This obviously came from Tommy Heinsohn saying, "You're gonna call it a hard foul. You're gonna call it a hard foul." So we just shortened it to hard foul. And um, you know, we're pretty excited about. We have a new opening, new artwork, all that stuff, and you know, hopefully, we can improve our content as well as we go forward here. Um, and yeah, we we have a new intro song too that I think you'll recognize if um, you're into '90s, you know, alternative rock. But Mike, um, why don't you kick us off? You know, the the Celtics are on a win streak, but um, you know, yeah. You know, but for me, it, I don't think it's all been positive. So go ahead. Definitely not recently. It hasn't been positive. I, I feel like if we did this podcast um, two games ago right after Philadelphia on that second night of the back-to-back, uh, the podcast would be really positive. Or if we ended it at halftime against Toronto, right? Uh, the podcast would be really positive. Um, and I think for me, there are a lot of positives to take from it, but I don't want to steal your thunder, so I'm not going to share my positive because my positive was something you gave me over a text. Um, which was a really Go good ahead. point. No, I'm going to, I'm going to, what I'm going to say is I'm going to put it this way. I was concerned during the Toronto game. They hadn't won yet. Eventually they pulled it out. Um, I was concerned during and after the game. And I was saying, you know, this reminds me a lot of the immaturity we've seen from the leadership on the Celtics in years past, especially in the playoffs where, uh, or in the regular season, like last year against like Indiana, they blew like a 20 or no against the Brooklyn Nets last year, they blew a 28 point lead and lost. Um, and I was frustrated because two nights in a row, obviously different circumstances and different talent in Philadelphia, but within minutes in the second quarter, the Celtics blew a 15 point lead. And then the same thing happened in the second half of Toronto in a game. They ended the first half on such a special note with like one of the highlights of the year as far as moving the ball and getting it to Tatum wide open for three at the buzzer. Uh, they blew that lead really quickly. And so when I said that, Jim, you had sent me a text and your response was really positive and it was. Yeah. So look, I, I think these are games they lost last year. It, like when I, I felt like um, when you, they give up these leads it kind of spiral, um, they would play down to the competition and then in particular, down the stretch, things would kind of fall apart where it would be walk the ball up, Tatum getting the ball over the timeline with about 16 seconds on the shot clock, 
And then you, you're not really starting your offense to nine, you know, 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there. And by that point, you, you know, you've given the defense lots of opportunities to set up and, and kind of build on their momentum. And you'd have these slow kind of comebacks against the Celtics constantly. In this case, I thought the last two minutes the Celtics owned. And, you know, what they were able to do is, and they did it in Philadelphia differently, but in Toronto, they saw the matchup between Holiday and Przingis, and they just went to the two-man game, and Toronto had no answer. They had no answer for it at all. Um, And they went to it three or four times, three times anyways, you know, where they were able to get Przingis on uh, a small intruder. You know, they saw that matchup and went right after it, and Przingis was able to shoot right over the top of it. And then, you know, they were able to get, when the help came on that, uh, Holiday did a great job in finding White for three. And then on top of that, I, I thought the defense down the stretch was really, really good. Um, and I, I thought the defense down the stretch last night was good as well. But it was just, I think overall how they played over the um, at the end of ball games has really been the thing that has stood out for me that is different from last year. When things get tight, this isn't a team that seems to be slowing it down, overthinking it, and thinking their superstars need to go into isolation or create the offense themselves. They have instead um, really put it together where they uh, are, are running it through Porzingis or Holiday, or they're looking for matchups that they can exploit. And, and they're getting into their sets quicker. They get into the sets with more force. And you're seeing the results. And you saw that really from the opening tip of the season against the Knicks. You saw it against the Heat. I, I think you saw it um, even in their losses. I, I didn't think the way they played offense down the stretch and their losses was bad. Um, and, and overall, the results have been good. You know, um, I will say last night, I you know, it's you never want to say any games a bad loss. I felt like a, I mean a bad win. It just kind of felt like a bad win to me. Um, I, I it, thought they played down to the competition all game long. Um, I thought they let the refs, you know, and I, the refs called a really weird, pretty bad game, but they let them dictate how they were going to play at times. I thought the effort level wasn't where it needed to be. I thought uh, Memphis played much harder, and. Um, you know, I thought there was some questionable coaching decisions too. So just on the whole, last night it wasn't a great game. Now that you know, Missoula is right. There's 82 of them, and these things happen. But um, from a team that's going for a championship, I just I don't want them to take nights off, especially early in the season. You you can have time late in the season if you put yourself in good position to have nights off. I I, I want to see them put teams to away and that's why i do find even though shelton another bad team but they've been playing a little bit better for the first time they've kind of got decent health in about two seasons where they have seven eight man rotation going over the last couple of weeks i want to see how they come out tonight is particularly in this first yeah. half and and really play with a lot more force a lot more energy um and yeah for me um go ahead oh go ahead no, no, yeah, I was going to talk about how Memphis defended the Celtics, which I did find interesting, but, you, you know, go ahead. That's what I actually was going to touch on right now is that um, what was interesting to me and kind of worrisome to me was that Memphis came out, played very physical with the Celtics, 
Uh, they were taking away the three-point line. The Celtics had the pain available because of the size advantage that they had and how slow Bismack Biyombo is just to covering really anybody when driving to the paint. And I thought that because of the lack of whistles that the Celtics were getting and then the frustration over offensive fouls that we saw a little bit of a timid team down the stretch. And I think we've seen examples of the Celtics struggle with defense like this in the past, especially with the Miami Heat, handsy teams that get away get away with it because they do it so much. So Celtics ended up shooting 26 free throws last night. If they called every foul, they probably would have had over 40. Um, but these non-foul calls turn to turnovers are bad possessions for the Celtics, and some of them don't run back on defense. So when Jalen Brown got his um, technical last night, it was pretty bad that he didn't get back, and it led to points. And then the poor decision-making. So against um, Toronto, the decision-making down the stretch in those last two minutes was great. I I thought against Memphis, it was suspect. Um, I thought Tatum took a long time kind of dribbling the clock out for that turnaround jumper that he hits most of the time. We got the offensive rebound. I don't think Drew Holiday, I thought Coach Mazzullo made a good point. You need to make that layup if you're going to take it. Um, and that, In some ways, he was calling out Holiday at that the end of the game. Decision. And I thought it was a poor, it was a poor decision. Him to give up and the they should have lost the game. Most NBA games, that shot is made, that three-point shot to end the game. Um, it was not So I, I agree with Missoula and you that they didn't deserve that win last night. Yeah, and Tatum should never gave up the ball. Um, hold it, let yourself get fouled, and you know you're the best player. I didn't really have a huge problem. They were up to. Um, he got the shot he wanted, so I didn't have a huge problem with his shot. Um, what you know, Memphis did more than just being physical too. Is they um, they didn't provide help. So on these Celtics drives, they stayed on the shooters. So it was basically one on one drives, and I, I didn't think the Celtics always drove to score in those situations. And I thought especially not Derek White. Derek, Derek White struggled White last night. And um, you know, you saw it kind of start to happen in, in the in second quarter where they had about four or five layups in a row. Um, I thought there was an opportunity to do it in the third quarter if you had a guy like Tatum or Brown in there for that seven minute stretch where they were both on the bench. I thought the lineup that Missoula had out there was not really capable of doing that. Um, and it's going to be interesting if teams try to play them that way. And there's other opportunities. You obviously you can hard drive to the basket. They should be backdoor cuts. There, there will be opportunities to score off this. It's not like it's an unbeatable um, defensive scheme. But I am curious because the Celtics did struggle with it a little bit last night if other teams are going to try to emulate that. And, and show them uh, that look. And I think if they do, teams will be playing with fire. But until the Celtics show uh, um, a conviction to beating it, which requires hard drives to score, hard cuts, which they weren't doing last night, um, and then also, you know, Przingis rolling more and finding the matchup instead of, you know, popping to shoot. Um Teams could have success. But like I said, you know, I don't know if it's just a function of the Celtics not seeing it as much, but it was interesting. You hadn't seen a team play that style where they don't help at all um, this season. Well, the other other frustrating thing about last night, too, especially in the second half, I I didn't blame Porzingis for popping out 
because he, he's posting up guys in the paint that are over a foot smaller than him, and the guards on the Celtics and the forwards on the Celtics aren't getting him the ball, which is just crazy to me that in the first half, every time we went to him on the block, even though like the shot looked wicked off sometimes, it was going in. Um, he was getting whatever he wanted, and they just weren't giving him the ball in the second half. Um, that was frustrating, too. I thought the decision-making on offense, they were, once again, more relatable to last year than this year, making it harder on themselves, whether it was Jalen Brown dribbling to nowhere. Um, a lot of that stuff was coming up again last night, um, and I think it's related to that physical defense. When we saw it a little bit against Minnesota, too, I remember bringing that up. You know, Anthony Edwards getting up in Tatum's chest impacted him quite a bit. And I think this is the next step for them. They don't handle that ball pressure very well. Yeah, Tatum still had a nice night against Minnesota. I, I thought they, you know, not all their shots dropped. And Minnesota deserved credit for, you know, making it tough. But I didn't feel like it was this. I didn't feel like they weren't playing with conviction or, you know, making hard drives or finding the right play and the right man you know the great thing about the Celtics team is you everyone wants lots of passes you don't need a ton of passes if you, if you find the open man because they're all capable scorers and shooters so you you can have a one pass possession and it'll be a good possession um, because of the just that high level especially the ta- the starters but you have to play with conviction and the, there's been twice this year that I don't think they've done that um on offense for a sustained time it was um this game and then i thought the second and third quarter and the loss to philadelphia where they you know didn't even have any paint touches at all um and they Mm -hmm. just like be dictate how they were going to play um so they're all learning experiences um can i talk talk about the positive from this win streak yeah, I, I I think we should because I didn't see anything positive last night. So let's talk about the positive. Other than Persingas, oh, well, Persingas was great. Well, yeah, yeah. Sam Sam Hauser, um, last night was great. Five for five. And yeah, the one guy they didn't got for three. They got it. Everyone else for three except Sam Hauser. Which yeah, I don't know. Um, and I I really think that Holiday White and Tatum. Brown, it's like I can't expect this from him. But those are the three guys as decision makers who are the best decision makers on the team. They have to realize when a guy like Sam Hauser is as hot as he is to continue to run action to him and get him the ball. Um, six six shots for him last night, going five for six. That's not enough well, attempts for a guy who shoots that well in a team that's struggling offensively. Uh, and his, his shooting during the month of November is second only to Steph Curry in the NBA, not just in percentage, but as well as makes. Um, really, he's been he's been terrific. And another guy that I think he's not a guy not that so much for himself though. So he has to be open within the flow of the offense to get him the ball. He, he can't. It's not one well, of those things where you're just getting him. But the ball. that's not what I'm. Yeah. It, like if you watch Miami, for example, when Duncan Robinson's hot, they're running plays for him, getting getting him the ball off sets of screens, running off screens to get looks. Um, but the other guy that I think, you know, offensively has been struggling. It's picked up a little bit offensively, but just his energy and defense off the bench during this win streak. Uh, Peyton Pritchard deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, I think he's he was horrible to start the season. And 
Um, his on-ball defense, especially against the New York Knicks, like I mentioned on the previous pod, I just feel like he brings that every night. Yeah, he, he's been and really that's needed. And the other guy that has shown like he's getting more and more comfortable as this goes on and his decision making has improved. And, you know, I say this after I thought last night his defense on Bain was really poor, but Holiday, you know, has been really, really good. Um, the, the Philadelphia and, um, you know, the Toronto. Toronto game, he was excellent in both games. His decision making has been almost perfect. Um, you know, he continues to be, uh, you know, harassing on the, 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 the offensive glass at times he he's capting in the defense and he's the one that's calling out going into that two, two, one press. That's, that's his call every time. I love how he does it after timeouts because it just completely gets the team out of the set they wanted to be in. Um, he's, you know, he was, you could see it early on what he's going to bring to this team. But over these last four or five games, you can really start to feel his presence on the court um, on both sides all the time. And I think yeah. it's a huge step. Another guy I've been really hard on um, for his sometimes lack of intensity is Luke Cornett. And I just want to give a shout out that fourth quarter against Philadelphia. These bench guys that, you know, might not even be rotation players on other teams. Yeah. But his fourth quarter, I thought against Philadelphia was huge. The big part of the reason Celtics won that game. I mean, he's Luke Cornett. He is what he is. He's a tall seven footer that against some teams is going to be effective. And against other teams, he's going to really struggle. Um, Yeah. And that's, that's not so much, you know, I don't have the, my issue isn't Luke Cornett. My issue is that I would like the Celtics to think about a high intensity, either forward or center that can come off their bench. Someone, I mean, he's not going to be as good as Paul Reed, but someone who brings that kind of energy and effort when they come into the game. That's a little bit different than Luke. Luke Cornett can be really timid. Um, it's just not his strength. So I think there's an opportunity to upgrade that that position on the roster that's all well they they definitely have some ability to go out and trade for a bench guy depending on salary you know you wait for the buyout season to happen but you know you wonder how appealing they're going to be to a bio player because there's not going to be a lot of minutes um maybe a little bit for a big but not a ton so you you know hopefully they can improve upon that um but, you know, it's one of those things that just get you through the regular season anyways because either that guy, whoever that player X is that we're talking about, a Luke Kinnett, they're not going to be playing in the playoffs anyways. So um, hopefully, if they are, that means someone's hurt, and you know, which is, you know, not good, obviously. Um, so, you know, Mike, huge week, really. I, I think tonight's very interesting against Charlotte. Um, to see how they respond after last night's, uh, you know, just I thought was their worst game of the year. Um, so really interesting week starting with Charlotte. And then Wednesday night, and Mike, I don't know if you can hear me because I lost you there for a second, but Wednesday night, you know, is a real big one at home against the Bucks. First time we're going to see Dame Lillard and um, Giannis together. And I expect, the you know, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is always a big drinking uh, oh, yeah. in the in this state in this town, and so I expect everyone to be kind of lubed up at the garden, really loud, ready to go, and it, it should be an awesome atmosphere there um, the night before Thanksgiving. Yeah, it should be. It's a great game to look forward to, and I'm um, sure we'll have a podcast right after because it's probably 
outside of Philadelphia, the biggest game of the regular season so far for the Celtics. Highly anticipated, expect an intense environment. And I definitely expect Milwaukee to show up. It's uh, Adrian Griffin's first big game as a coach. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a big, big regular season game to look forward to. Everybody, Hopefully everybody's healthy and playing. Because I feel like over the last couple of seasons, we play Milwaukee. In the regular season, anyways, there's always somebody else. So yeah, for both teams, right? For both yeah, teams. no one's. It never seems like you got a full tilt when these yeah. two teams play. Uh, Mike, to close, I, I know I didn't. There was no homework on this, so this is just um, catching you off guard. But if you were going to give a power ranking NBA top five, what would it be? Uh, Boston at the top with the best record in the league. Um, I mean, I hate to do this to Denver, but Jamal Murray going down drops them a bit. So number two, I'm going to uh, give it to Minnesota. Uh, I know people will probably laugh at me, but I love the way they're playing. Uh, I think Anthony Edwards is taking a huge leap, and he he is that guy out there. Um, number three would be Denver. Number four would be Milwaukee. And number five, actually, number four would be Philly, and number five would be Milwaukee right now. Yeah, so uh, mine's similar. I'm not going off potential. I'm going off how they're playing. I'd go one Celtics right now. Um, two, I'd go the Sixers. I, I think, you know, the only real loss they had recently was the Celtics on the second night of a back-to-back. Um, I'd go three Denver, and um, I think if Jamal Murray's healthy, they'd probably still be one, even if they had less more losses than the Celtics. Um and then where this is where it gets a little tough, but it would be some four, five, or six of Milwaukee, Minnesota, Oklahoma City. Um, yeah, OKC's and, been really good. Yeah, OKC's really been uh, a surprise team, and I don't expect them to stay there, but um, they've been a, a hell of a lot of fun to watch. And Sacramento all of a sudden is playing really, really well, too. Um, and that game last awesome. night was awesome, that yeah. Sacramento game. Yeah. Uh, one thing about OKC that I don't think anybody saw coming, I I think we all thought Chad Holmgren was going to be good, yeah. But I didn't think we he was going to be this good. <laughs> you see <laughs> their line as a team last night: 60-60-90. So sixty from the field, sixty percent from three, and a hundred percent from the line. Like, I'm not. I think that's been done one other time in NBA history. Just insane, insane line. I know playing against Portland, it's essentially a layup line, but it's still an insane line. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got some good young talent in the NBA with this last draft. Oh, these last two drafts, man. Two drafts ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you got Victor Wambanyana as well. So it's uh, it's definitely something to look forward to. My, I, I have a feeling um, too that Indiana could make the playoffs this year too. They've been a nice surprise. They've been a good team. Yeah, they've been fun. Yeah, they score a ton. Their offense. Constant motion, you know. They actually, I should take that back. They beat Philadelphia straight up, um, legitimately. They've had two great games with them. You know, Philly yeah. really struggled with them both times. So, and I think Tyler Bert, uh, Halliburton may get some MVP votes this year, maybe one or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, all right. Well, good pod. We'll talk to you soon, guys. Yeah.